Before I begin, I just want to make two announcements because I don't want to interrupt once we start into God's Word. Just two things. If you're a family here that may be interested in knowing more about our school, following the service, if you would go out to the foyer where our table is set up, students will be leading you on tours of the school and and answering some of your questions if you're interested. Secondly, inside your bulletin, there's an insert about the school that includes a little yellow flyer about a, a, an auction, a great auction that we're going to be having in the fall. We are very excited about this. It potentially will raise much, much money for our school. So I want you to save the date on your calendar regarding that auction. Let's get into God's Word. This morning I'd like to share with you a message called, Why Christian Schooling? And my answer is, because it's real schooling. That's why. We, we do Christian school because it's real schooling. Now, one thing I want to say is, notice that I haven't asked the question, why Christian education? Because Christian education is a broader term that has to do with what the church does as well as schools. We have Christian education here at our church in Sunday school classes and youth group. There's a difference between Christian education and Christian schooling. The purpose of Christian schooling is to prepare young people academically to go into the world and be what God has called them to be. They have to be prepared from an academic standpoint and from a biblical worldview. So I call what we do here at the school Christian schooling, not Christian education. Let me make my first point, and it's a tough one. Dr. Bruce Lockerbie, who writes on Christian schooling, said the following thing in his book, A Christian Paideia. He said, what then can you offer to begin, and sadly so, your school might stand out in many people's estimate, if only because it takes more seriously than most Christian schools, its mission, rather its obligation, to be utterly and entirely committed to being a school. My contention is this, the primary and only legitimate purpose for our school's existence as a school is to be a place of academic teaching and learning where Jesus Christ is honored as Lord. Here is the point. Christian Fellowship Academy and high school is not called to be the church. We are not a youth group, and we are not your church. We are a school. And I remember when I first interviewed for this job with the wonderful school board that I serve with, one of the things that I said to them was, if you want me in this position... Know my heart, and this is my heart. We are called to be a school. And if academic excellence is not our first aim, then we shouldn't be in this business. Because we contract with parents, they pay money to send their children here, expecting that what they are going to get for that is academic preparation from a biblical worldview. This is the heart of what we do, and it's critically important. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, verses 1 and 3, that a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of the transgressors shall destroy them. That word abomination in the Hebrew means disgusting thing. And let this be a lesson to all of us as Christians. We ought to have integrity. When we say we are something or we say we're going to do something, we ought to do it. And that's what Christian Fellowship Academy and high school is all about. We're actually doing what we say we're going to do for you. When you send your children here, you should expect that they will be academically prepared to go to college should they want to go to college. 
or do whatever else that they want to do when they leave this place. And if we as a school do not honor our word in doing that, then we are disobeying God's word because we are refusing to have integrity. And how many of you know that integrity should imply, imply to all of our lives every single day? Integrity means completeness, unbrokenness. What you see is what you get. Integrity is the heart of God. When I finally get to go for my doctoral degree, I want to do my dissertation on integrity from a spiritual, personal, and scientific viewpoint. Integrity is the heart of Jesus Christ. He came to fix the brokenness. How many of you remember in August of 2007 that horrible um, I-35 Minnesota bridge collapse? Do you remember that? Thirteen people were killed and over 135 were injured. Do you know that what the engineers have found out is that the root cause of the collapse of that bridge was a lack of structural integrity? This little image off to the right, that rectangular plate that you see holding those five beams together, that's a gusset plate. And when civil engineers design bridges, they're supposed to calculate mathematically how thick that gusset plate needs to be to hold those beams which hold up the bridge. And unfortunately, in the 1960s, when this particular bridge was designed, the engineers did not take into account all of the bridge improvements that would happen. The extra pavement and construction vehicles that would go on to that bridge over the years. And so when those improvements were done and started out adding extra weight to the bridge, those gusset plates began to bend and finally gave out, at least four of them. And that's why the bridge collapsed. A lack of integrity. A lack of the gusset plate doing what it was designed to do. You portray it as something that's going to hold the beams together, and yet it really can't do so. In the physical world, a lack of integrity leads to disaster. And I want to say something this morning. In the spiritual world, does the same thing. So if we're sitting here today, I want you to know something. According to Proverbs chapter 11, lack of integrity is a disgusting thing in the eyes of the Lord. I am pushing integrity in our school in every area. It doesn't matter if it's academics, our lives, our financial department. We need to have integrity because it pleases the heart of God. Speaking of academic excellence and the integrity that we have, Our focus here at Christian Fellowship Academy is a college preparatory academic institution serving students enrolled in pre-K through grade 12. And our vision is that we are building leaders of academic excellence who engage the culture with a biblical worldview. You heard many people refer to that this morning because we need to function by the vision that God has given us. As far as academic excellence, I pulled up the latest statistics that I could gather for you. These are our 2008 PSAT Selection Index Average results. On the right in the red block are the results for students who have been with us five or more years. Notice that their average on the PSAT is 20 points higher than the national average. We're serious about academics. Our standardized testing reveals that we are on an average one to two grade level higher than all the other schools. PSATs, 
for students who've been with us five or more years, their scores on average were, were better than 75% of the nation. Isn't that something? Because we're about academic excellence. When you're spreading the word about your school, I want you to use the word integrity. If we contract with parents to offer an education, an education is what you're going to get. Now, not only is Christian schooling real schooling, notice my first emphasis was on the second word, we do real schooling, but we do real schooling. So I want to make the second point clear. The first one is we do real schooling because we have integrity, because that's what God has called all of us to. But secondly, we do real schooling. I believe some of you have heard me say this before. There may be valid reasons that you take your child out of a Christian school. But don't ever tell me that your reason is because you want them to get an experience in the real world. I want to tell you something. Out there in our culture is a perversion of reality. That is not reality as God intended. Absolutely. I I keep up on the latest things that are going on, and I could... um, Two weeks ago in USA Today, the lead article on the front page was there's been 11% decline in the past generation in the number of people who are willing to say they're even Christian. You read Newsweek, this last edition of Newsweek. I should have brought the quote with me. But basically in the Belief Watch section, there's an article that blasts the Bible and says, bottom line, the Bible point blank is not from God. It's produced here on this earth by the hands of men. The culture out there is nasty. There's spiritual inclusiveness being taught and preached by everyone, including not just the current president, but the previous president, who also said that Muslims, Christians, and people of any religion are really praying to the same God. We have trouble in the culture, and that is not the real world. If you want to prepare your children for what God intends, for what His reality is, and the reality that He is one day going to restore, if you want to train them for things that last, then you bring them here to Christian Fellowship Academy. We teach from a real point of view. We're not just doing real schooling. We're doing real schooling. Because here's the facts. God is the creator and sustainer of all reality. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. He's made all things. Whether they're visible or invisible, whether they're on heaven or on earth, no matter what powers or dominions and authorities they are, they were all created by Jesus Christ and currently sustained by Him. He's holding us together. If your heart beats in the next two seconds, it's because Jesus Christ wills it to be so. And take heart in that. Somebody may need to hear this. That means if your heart is beating, Jesus wants you to live. And he wants to have your life. He created and sustains all of reality. The devil cannot create. He's a created being. Satan cannot create anything. I I sat in a faculty meeting with our teachers and I said, emphasize to our students that evil is not the opposite of good. It's the absence of good. It's nothing less than the absence of something. And one day they're going to find that evil is not the great thing that they think it is. The devil cannot create. He cannot make any reality. The only thing he can do is twist and pervert reality as God intended. 
That's why if you want your children to learn from a real viewpoint, you bring them into Christian schooling. Because they get the truth and not the perversion. The Bible is clear that when God made reality, He made it very good. After everything He made, He stepped back and He said that it was good. Good, whole, unbroken, of integrity. But human rebellion against our perfect God is what set disintegration into motion. Sin. Sin is what caused disintegration. So I'm not kidding you when I say that integrity is of God. God wants integrity, not disintegration. But it was sin that caused our bodies to not work as they should work. Amen? And relationships to not be as they should be. It was sin that did that. But don't elevate sin too highly because my Bible says that this temporary deviation from God's plan, this sin curse, is one day going to be corrected in a most dramatic way. Don't train your children for the temporary deviation. Train your children for what is going to be forever. Now, if you're like me, I struggle in my body with a disease and I struggle with other things. How many of you struggle? You need to give yourself a good dose, just a reminder of the bigger picture every now and again. Jesus is coming back to restore and reintegrate everything. He is. He's coming back. It doesn't matter what they say. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. He's the creator. That's what gives him the right to redeem. That's what, that is what gives him the right to correct it someday. And Second Peter chapter 3 outlines it clearly. I love where Peter says this. He's like my favorite guy in the whole Bible. And he says, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They'll say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed. And the earth was formed out of water and by water. By water, the world at that time also was deluged and destroyed. By that same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord isn't slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness, but He's patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be? We ought to live holy and godly lives as we look forward to that day and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with His promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of Righteousness. The home of righteousness, of integration. It's going to all be fixed. My body, you know, righteousness is a fancy word for is as it ought to be. It's a beautiful word. 
You know, we hear righteousness and we get all spiritual and, ooh, do I want that? Yes, you do. Because it means it is as it ought to be. Your body will function as it should one day. Your relationships will be as they should one day. The world will be like it should be one day. And that's what we train kids here for. Knowing that Jesus is going to do this, that that is the greater reality. And because of that, we do the following things. Because of that setup that I just gave you, because of that paradigm, because of that biblical truth, we here at CFA, number one, train in righteousness. Academic excellence with training in righteousness. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let me give you a few examples. A few weeks ago in teacher devotions, I shared 1 Peter 2.24. That verse tells us that Jesus, when he bore our sins in his body on the tree... The reason he did it was so that we would die to sin and live for righteousness. If you ask the average person, why did Jesus die on the cross? Most of them will say, he died on the cross so I could go to heaven. He died on the cross to save me from my sins. Those two things are true, but that's not the end of the story. He died so that we would live for righteousness every second that we're alive. We as Christians aren't doing that. And so I said to the teachers, here's some questions. Are we living actively for righteousness? Are we doing God's will every second that we live? And so I posed them a list of questions. What is God's will for my lesson plans this Thursday? What is God's will for my paycheck? What is God's will for the look on my face When I pass the person in the hallway that I like the least, what is God's will for my reaction when somebody attacks my character? What is God's will for my level of patience when I have to answer the 342nd question that little Johnny has to ask me? We are training in righteousness. And with the children, it's the same thing. What they say matters. The words that they use matter. We need to line up who we are with righteousness because that's the way God intended things to be. Here at Christian Fellowship Academy, we drive all subject matter towards its purpose and its designer. And those of you who know me, I can't even even go there because I can't stop myself. I would just go on and on with math integration and science integration. So I won't even go there, but I'll tell you this. Not only do we drive subject matter towards its purpose and designer, we drive the whole academic process towards that. Now, there are some good things that public schools do, but it's only because all truth is God's truth. And the things that they do right, they do because they're actually of God. But I want to tell you something. I sat with our teachers... And I said, look, we've got to reevaluate why we test and quiz students. We shouldn't just mimic the world's education. We need to do it for the right reasons. Why do we give quizzes and tests? Sat in a room with a bunch of teachers, and, you know, I love them and all, but they were kind of like, what is she talking about? Of course we do it to give them a grade. No. According to the Bible, we don't assess just to assign someone status. My Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 that when God allows trials and temptations in my life, He always does it so that I would be more like Jesus Christ. So that I would grow and change and become better. 
So I challenged my teachers. I said, don't give quizzes and tests just to assign a grade, just so you can say to Mr. and Mrs. Smith, there's where your child's at. Why you should be giving quizzes and tests is so that when you get that feedback back to you, you say to yourself, what did I do right or wrong as a teacher? What did they do right or wrong as students? So that I can get them over that hurdle, so I can get them to learn what they haven't learned. To be who they need to be. The purpose of assessment is not to tramp somebody down, but rather to help somebody grow. Check it out in your Bible. Now, the world's educational system may not say that's true, but I'm serving the God who created schooling and education. And I know what His purposes are. So we are driving all subject matter towards its real purpose and its designer. We are continually aligning biblical principles with everyday living. give you one example of this. I wrote a seminar recently for our school because I saw a problem here. And the seminar is called Preventing a Bias Approach with Problem Students. How many of you know we all have inherent biases? And we have to make sure that we're keeping them in check? So I said to my faculty, you know, sometimes students pose ongoing academic, social, and behavioral problems. How many of you know that's true? How many of you have a child? It's your child doing that. <laughs> okay? They do. And, and maybe for years and years they've been a problem, haven't done well in school, been a behavioral problem. I'll never forget the Holy Spirit moment my faculty and I had when I shared what God laid on my heart. You know, the book of First Peter says to us as Christians that even if we're slaves, we're to return good for evil to our masters. And I interpret that as, Even if I'm the weak one, the disempowered one, I should return good for evil to those who are in power over me. Even if they do wrong to me, I should return good by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. How much more should empowered Christians return good for evil to disempowered ones? And so I said to my teachers, we are the ones that have the power over the students. How much more should we be returning good for evil? And make sure that you never walk into a classroom and have a bias against the student because of what they were last week or last month or for the past ten years. Because I want to tell you something. I couldn't have awakened this morning unless Jesus looked down at me and said, Shelley... My mercies are new every morning. I wipe the slate clean. You have a chance to start over. And so does every student who attends Christian Fellowship Academy in high school. Now, I'm not saying that they will. Some may graduate and never turn around. But our teachers will not be the reason that they couldn't have turned around and had the opportunity to see the grace of God. That is the continual alignment of biblical principles with everyday living. And finally, we model Christian thought and discipleship for future generations. I'll tell you what, this job can be just a tad stressful. Just a tad. Some days I can be just a little frazzled. Um, One day I had a particularly rough afternoon, 
and I needed to convey a message to Mrs. Huey, our second grade teacher. So I went and I knocked on her door. No, I didn't knock. I was rude. I didn't knock. I just opened the door and I looked in, thought I was going to be able to give her a message, but I noticed she was in the back of the room with all of her little second graders so sweetly in a circle around her, and she had a felt board going on, and it was math class. And I was like, math is sacred. (laughs) I'm not going to interrupt that. So I closed the door. But just as I was closing the door, I heard a little voice say, Mrs. Prindle's there, Mrs. Prindle's there. So I thought, oh, I'm busted. So I opened the door back up. Well, they're interrupted anyway. I had been having a really bad day, so I thought, you know what? I felt like God was stirring me. Just go in and sit down with them. So I did. I went and I sat in their math circle. I wish you could have been there to see the looks on second graders' faces when you're teaching them that multiplication is really addition and grouping with a felt board, but they actually love their teacher and believe that she loves them. And it's so obvious in that room that it means the world to them to raise their hand and to gain knowledge that's going to make them more who they're supposed to be. To see little ones in that environment of such safety and love and growth and the depth of learning and the hands-on instruction. And I know a large part of the reason is that Mrs. Huey is a model of Christian discipleship. And her children can learn from her, therefore. That's what we do here at Christian Fellowship Academy in high school. We do real schooling and real schooling. And if I could summarize it to close, I'd like you to think of this bike. I came up with this in Bible class one day, and Rachel Nickel may not know it, but I still have it in my office on my credenza frame. She gave it to me as a present one time, a picture of a red bike with my quote on it. And I said this, the whole purpose of living or doing anything is to glorify Jesus Christ. And I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but you can fight and scrape and do whatever you think you can do to bring some peace and satisfaction into your life. You are never going to find it until you realize the whole point of everything is that Jesus be lifted up. The whole point of my life and this school and this church is that Jesus be lifted up. And I said to my students one day, I don't know how to explain this except to say to you, if you were really little and you asked your parents for a Christmas present, you said, all I want for Christmas, Mom and Dad, all I want is a shiny new bike. And you waited and you waited and you waited and you begged and you begged and you begged. Then came Christmas morning and you got the shiny new bike. You went out and you looked at it and and you're like, oh, wow, this is exactly what I pictured. It's shiny, brand new paint job. I can't wait to ride it. You take it outside, you get on the bike and you try to ride it and the wheels won't turn. Who cares what it looks like? It doesn't do what it was supposed to do. No longer means what it's supposed to mean. A person whose life does not reflect Jesus Christ is like a shiny red new bike whose wheels won't turn. You're never going to be who you're supposed to be or find the joy you're supposed to have until you make the lifting up of Jesus Christ, His reality and His principles, the core of your universe and your life. So when I think of Christian Fellowship Academy, I think of the bike. We're putting Jesus at the center of real schooling. Thank you.
Thank you. So, thank you so much, Mrs. Prindle. Thank you. And thank you to all of you who are here today who are in any way associated with the Fellowship Academy in high school. Thank you for coming out today. We enjoyed hosting you. We, we are thankful for Mrs. Prindle and the, and the teachers and the work that's going on there. The thought that I had as she was speaking was the scriptural admonition that says, Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. And so today, that is, that is the message for us. Both academically, we want to hold fast to those things which are true, and spiritually. And so, we here have endeavored to lift up Jesus Christ, both in the services that go on here on Sunday and Wednesday night in Bible study, and in our school. And if you are here today, and, and you're just wondering a little bit about... Uh, finding the truth, you don't know Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, we want to make this opportunity for you to come to this altar and get to know the truth. Prove Jesus Christ. Prove who He is and uh, what His purpose is for your life. That bicycle is no longer there, but God has a purpose for each and every one of us. And the sooner we get to know that purpose, the more complete our life is in Him. Amen? Praise God. So I will open the altars here. I have a few brief announcements for you. If there's anyone who wants to ask Jesus Christ to come into their heart, I'll invite you forward. Someone will come and pray with you. Some of our deacons or elders or their wives will come and pray with you. And we will tell you the truth of who Jesus is and His purpose for your life. I do have two quick announcements, though, before we close the service. One is the women's retreat, which is scheduled for April 3rd and 4th. That's coming up in about a week here. Sign up. Today is the last day for ladies for you to sign up for the women's retreat. There will be a sign-up table back in the gymnasium. From previous testimonies, heard nothing but good things. And I see that the uh, keynote speaker is Mrs. Prindle, so you can go and hear her again and be blessed. So, ladies, if you're... Interested in that weekend retreat next week, sign up in the gym. I understand there is a cost associated, but there is also is a scholarship. Some help is available. Some funds are available to help out with that. So sign up in the gym, please. Also, in the gym, there are some projects that have been done by some of the students from the Fellowship Academy. They're, they're available for your inspection. Take a look at them. See the kind of work the students do here. There's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer. If you'd like a tour of the school, there will be students conducting tours. Give you a little tour of the school. If you're interested, if you have students or young children that might be coming up and you want to see about having them attend school here, take a tour. See the school. Uh, these students will be glad to answer any of your questions. Introduce you to the teachers. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you again, Mrs. Prindle. Thank you again, Fellowship Academy and High School. Ask the Lord to bless this time we share together. Father, thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Praise you, Lord. You, Lord, are our heart's desire. Yes, Jesus. Nothing, Lord, compares to you. We just love you today, Lord. We praise your name. Bless each one, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Call us, Lord. Draw us near to you, Lord Jesus. You are a source of all life, Lord God. You are the truth. 
You are indeed reality, Lord Jesus. Help us to find reality in you today, Lord. So, Father, as we dismiss, we ask your blessing upon each one. In Jesus' name, amen.